Hello and welcome again to another episode of our program Develop. We count it an absolute honor and a privilege to have your company with us as we continue our exploration in a series that we've entitled Our Holiness Movement. And the whole series is about the brand of Christianity that Jesus lived, He died and rose again and sent us the Holy Spirit to live that out. It's from Genesis to Revelation that we recognize God's heart for His people to be holy just as our Heavenly Father is holy, to reflect His nature in our lives. So it's got to do with our identity. We recognize that we are holy in Him and therefore we want to live holy and that's our calling. And this is the reason why we have been saved by Jesus, have been blessed with the Holy Spirit, empowered by His Word to live out the type of life that God created us with a particular image to bear. And we have begun our exploration of the factors that can that enable us to live that type of life, to pursue a holy life and Christ-like character in our world. And today, out of the uh, various factors we, we, we're focusing on, we're going to focus on the cross of Jesus, that the cross of Jesus sanctifies us. The cross of Jesus sanctifies us. In the prayer, in the high priestly prayer recorded in John chapter 17, Jesus says, I've sanctified myself so that they may be sanctified. And most commentators express that that's Jesus sanctifying himself like a sacrifice. And by his sacrifice, we, his followers, are sanctified. This is uh, expressed and spelt out beautifully in the book of Hebrews uh, that is um, contrasting the sacrifices of the Old Testament with the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus as he gave himself. And in Hebrews chapter 10 verses 8 to 10 it says this, first he said that's concerning Jesus, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. That's the Old Testament sacrifices. They didn't hit the mark. Then Jesus said, here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first, the, the first system of being accepted before God by animal sacrifices to establish the second, uh, which is the being accepted uh, by the sacrifice of Jesus's life. And he says, and by that will, the will that sacrificed himself on our behalf, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of of Jesus Christ once for all. The reality is we have been sanctified. We have been made holy once for all because of the sacrifice of Jesus once for all. We are holy because Jesus died to forgive our sins. He died to um, pay for our punishment. He took our Uh, our sin in his own body on the cross and paid the required 
payment of death and he also gave us his holiness. It was an amazing divine exchange. He, he took what is ours and gave us what is his so we can be made positionally, definitively holy once for all. When God looks at us, He looks at our position in Christ and says, these are righteous people already been made holy because they are united to my holy one. And we all celebrate the incredible gift of Jesus' death on our behalf, the ability that we can connect with the Father freely because of what Jesus did and that we will never ever ever be separated from God as a result of the union that is now ours and the harmony that we now experience because Jesus's death resurrection and the spirit abiding in his followers as a result of that many of us Christians focus significantly on the message of the cross I recall several years ago many many years ago one uh, specific parachurch organization would invite me on a regular basis to share with them a, a message to preach a message uh, uh, to their group and, um, and every time I say, what is the theme for, for our gathering? And they say, a message of salvation, the message of the cross. We just want to hear more about the salvation. So after a while, I was intrigued. I, I figured I, I needed to ask how many people who attend these gatherings are Christians. They said, they're all Christians. They're long-term Christians. I said, wow, awesome. Have they been saved? Absolutely. Praise the Lord. We are a group of saved people. I said, how many people do you expect to come every week who are outsiders that don't know the, you know, the, the love and, and, and the gospel of Jesus? And they said, no, we don't really get many people in this environment, but we are so, so blessed uh, to have a group of Jesus lovers in the room. I said, that's awesome. So can I just ask, why am I supposed to preach to you every Every time a message of salvation. I just didn't make sense to me. And, and I, I, I gathered somehow that, you know, the message of salvation to them, they would be so blessed by it because it offers everything and it demands nothing. You know, if I'm always asking them, you know, give your life to Jesus. He died on a cross to show you His love. And if you come to Him, you become a, a follower of Christ and, and your eternal life is secure in Him and, and you'll be forgiven and be justified. They're like, wow, that's awesome, brother. But to them, the idea of the message of salvation was a matter of receiving everything and demanding absolutely nothing. And I don't know about you, what is your comprehension when you think of the message of the cross? What comes to your mind when you think about the cross of Jesus? For some of us, it's a historical event. Something happened 2,000 years ago or so. For others of us, it's a hallelujah time. Hey, praise the Lord, brother. We are saved, saved eternally. And, and we celebrate the gift and the blessings that come in the grace that it was shown to us through the cross of Jesus. But for others of us, it's the heart of our life. It implicates our present, not merely gives us something in the past. It 
it. It directs what we do today. It informs and transforms our lives on a daily basis. And that's exactly what the scripture says in the continuation of, of, of this passage that I read early in Hebrews chapter 10 verses 11 and 14. It says, for by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So we realize just in the previous couple of verses says that we were made holy in a, in, in a once for all type of sense. But now we are being continuously made holy, present continuous. What does that mean? That's the progression of being sanctified, of being made Christ-like, of developing increasingly in our walk with Jesus to resemble Him more consistently. It is a progression just as it is a position in God. So how do we live? Live out and allow the cross and the sacrifice of Jesus not merely to impact our past once upon a time when we received Christ, but impact our present continuously. And uh, I love this from the message of the cross, a book um, uh, written by Derek Tidball says, Willingness to die to sin with Christ is a truer evidence of the soul's advance, that is growth, than an anxiety to be filled with his life. Holiness is impossible unless the death of Christ becomes a present experience as well as a past event. You see, there is no practical holiness. It is virtually impossible unless we take the cross of Jesus, the death of Jesus, and allow that to be implicating our current experiences, to be a factor in the way we live our life. And the death of Jesus has become freedom for us in three ways. It freed us, set us free from the obligation to the law. It set us free from obligation to the sinful nature, what we call the flesh. And it set us free from the obligation to uh, live out and apply the value system of the world, the system that is apart from God. And those three things are made incredibly clear in the book of Galatians, and there are three mentions of the word crucify, which is basically about a cruciform lifestyle, which means we, our lives become shaped by the cross. It's shaped by the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, where we die to ourselves, we die to the world system, and we die to the law. There are three mentions of that word crucify, in the book of Galatians that Paul wrote to, to, to defend the gospel of grace against the attacks of the Judaizers that wanted people to live as if they're Jews and to abide by the observance of the law. Allow me to uh, address each one of those areas that we've gained freedom by the death of Jesus. It says, For through the law, Paul writes in Galatians 2, 19-21, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer I, I no longer, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. 
The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. So here, Paul virtually summarizes the entire passage beforehand and an argument that he was having about the gospel of Christ's grace and the righteousness that could only be gained through Christ in putting our faith in him because of the substitution of Jesus. So what he was really saying to the Judaizers is this, observing the law only shows us that we are sinners needing of salvation. That means the law was a tutor to Christ. The law revealed that we have missed the point. Just like a sign on the road that says 60 and you're driving on 65 or 70, you realize, oh, I'm not abiding by the expectations on this road. So the law revealed to us uh, you know, that we are sinful and that we cannot gain our right standing with God. We cannot be in harmony with God. We cannot be reunited with God by what we do. And most commentators say that this particular uh, usage of the law was not about the moral law, which uh, reflects the nature of, of God, but this is about the observance of the law, the regulation, the circumcision, uh, the, um, the, the thing that they did concerning food, uh, dietary requirements, concerning feast and, 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 and all that type of uh, distinctiveness that made them separate people. Or, 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 or alternative people from the races and the ethnic groups around them and said them to be unique group of people. And saying in all of that, we cannot associate ourselves, we cannot link ourselves, we cannot be right ourselves with God based on our adherence to an external code law. You know, we can't get a certificate of good behavior. <laughs> the law enables us to see that we are sinful in every way. And that those who do not continue in everything that the law uh, demands, they are considered guilty of all. That's what the scripture says. So if, we, uh, if we're trying to uh, make peace with God based on our abilities to adhere to a, a, a legal standards, we, we're, we're doomed to fail. And as a result of that, we take upon ourselves the curse of the law as Paul mentions in Galatians chapter 3, that we become cursed because we do not continue in everything the law demands. However, that's when Jesus comes in. And it's written that cursed is him who is hung on a tree. And Jesus hung on a tree so that he can take our curse. He did not commit any sin. Therefore, he didn't deserve to be, uh, you know, to pay that penalty. He wasn't paying it on his own behalf. He was paying it on our behalf. He was our substitutionary sacrifice. He fulfilled of all the demands and we were united to him. That means we in him received the release from that law because the law cannot demand something twice, cannot demand our penalty twice. Jesus and we were united together spiritually. We were crucified with Christ. 
We paid for that punishment. The law has no dominion or authority over us. That means the demands, the legal system cannot become something that have authority over us and determine whether or not we have a right relationship with God. No, we now have a right relationship with God because of our unity and union to Christ. Not only have we died with Christ, but it says the life that I now live in the body, that means my physical uh, current ordinary day-to-day life, that has been inhabited by Christ, by His Spirit. He lives with me and therefore He enables me to live out the life that God intended to me for me to live. It's like a friend of mine and I were just sharing how we are enabled by the Spirit to obey God, yet God actually looks at us with favor when we do that as we obey His command. It's like crazy that we do nothing, the Spirit enables us to do everything, but then the Lord you know, commends us from collaborating with the Spirit that does all the heavy lifting. The law has been... Uh, uh, has been dead to us, officially been crucified. We have no relationship with the law. The law has no authority over us, no demands over us because we have a relationship with Jesus that has superseded those uh, demands and regulations. The second thing, so that's an imperative. Uh, Sorry, that's an indicative. That's something that's already happened to us. When Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, that statement basically is a once for all experience. When we connect and, and when we receive and when we trust and, we, and when we're united with Christ, this is our situation. This is our spiritual reality. We have been once and for all removed from the obligation and the dominion of the law over our lives. We have satisfied the demands of the law because of our union with Christ once and for all. This is our spiritual reality. But our spiritual reality then brings forth our spiritual life. That means the practicality of living that out. So for the indicatives, the privileges that we have because of the cross, Paul now begins to talk to us about our our response to that. They are imperatives. There's things that we need to do. So if the first one, something happens to us, we've been crucified with Christ. Now we have an active uh, participation in that crucifixion. So in the passage that speaks of the fruit of the Spirit, Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, which is a second mention of of the idea of crucified, cruciform life. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the character traits of Christ. He's saying that when we now have the Spirit abiding in us because we've died, but it's not just about being crucified, but the life of Christ is now being lived in us or Christ lives His life in us by His Spirit that abides on the inside of us. If we allow Him the opportunity and if we collaborate with Him more consistently, guess what? That potentiality that we have, that nature that He placed on the inside of us, that life of Jesus that we now 
uh, you know, have as a, as a result of the indwelling spirit, that can be manifested on the outside. And it will show itself not in the acts of the flesh, which is previously mentioned in the same chapter, chapter 5, but now it's the character traits of Jesus being manifested in us. And then he, he says this um, incredible, incredible statement. He says, those who belong to Christ, those who have been justified because they've been crucified with Christ, those who are trust God, look at that, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Have you noticed here is not saying those who belong to Christ have been crucified to the flesh. Like it says, I've been crucified with Christ. Something happened to you in the passive. No, no, here it's active. They have crucified the flesh. They have a role to play in putting to death its their passions and sinful desires. It's, 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 it's something that we do in collaboration. That's why Paul tells us in, in Romans chapter 8, it says that by the Spirit, again, because it's the Spirit that enables us to do that, by the Spirit, put to death the misdeeds of the flesh. Put to death is a pretty significant and serious you know, attack on our sinful nature. There is no place in Christianity, please hear me right. There is no place in Christianity for pampering our sinful nature. There is no place to give room to passionate desires and lustful, you know, what was mentioned early on about sexual immorality or impurity, about self-centered living or spiritual adultery, uh, and nothing there about the, 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 the social destructive behaviors. We don't give room to that. People that say, I've received Christ, but then live life much in the same way they've lived it before encountering Jesus. They fooling themselves. They tricking themselves. They want the best of both worlds, but they get nothing. The reality is this. We do not pamper our sinful nature. We say no. This is an expression of our self-denial. Where we do not allow ourselves the the, the, the right to, to, to choose what we want to choose, self-centered behaviors and thoughts and motivations. And, and tell me, where is that wrong? I mean like anything that's about you living a life for your own passions and desires. That's not a life that is inconsistent, consistent with the, with the empowerment of the Spirit and the, the character traits of Jesus. You see, a crucifixion of the flesh is what in the olden days, we don't talk about anymore because otherwise people wouldn't attend Christian gatherings anymore. They used to call it mortific mortification of the flesh, putting to death the stuff, of, saying no to the flesh in every way. And then Paul says to us in the final chapter, Galatians 6, he says about another implication. He says, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision mean, means anything. 
What counts is the new creation. A new creation that lives a crossy form life. A life that is shaped by death, death to self and death to the world. I don't respond to the world. You know, it might be camera light actions. It might be temptations. It might be opportunities. It might be things that are apart from Christ. And I say it's lost its appeal. I am never going to go to that way of living again. I love a story I heard when I was young about Augustine, when one of the ladies that he was connected with in a sinful relationship knocked on his door after his conversion. And, 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 and when he came out and he said to her, who do you want? And she said, Augustine. And he says, the Augustine that you know has died. It, there is no appeal to the things that the world's offer or sin is offered to him. He has died to his old life. He's not saying, now I'm new, I can live as I please. No, the love of the, the pride of life, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, all those things that describe the adherence to the values of the world it says, you know, people say to me, Peter, don't be so narrow-minded. Uh, you know, we're not going to attract the world if we're going to be so narrow-minded about walking circumspectly and being so fully devoted and committed and all of that. Let's like people come to Jesus. Let's give them opportunities to live out life as normal. That is not biblically sound advice. We are different from the world. We're not widows, but we choose to say no to the system that is opposing to the counterculture values that Jesus invited us to live out. Who would say in the world that humble is an advantage for people? Who would say that servanthood is better than, than being, you know, top, you know, the, the top and the first? But that's what Jesus exemplified. He, he, he showed us a different way of living. It's our predetermined uh, nature that God invited us to bear His very nature. Now we have freedom to live it out, not to be obligated to this world system and its values that puts me as the number one and puts my selfish desires as number one and achievement so I can be applauded and I feel a sense of, uh, you know, a, um, a sense of accomplishment and significant as a result of what the world offers and what people think of me. You see, in this particular incident, Paul is saying to them, circumcision was acceptable and highly valued by your group. Like you will not suffer if you get circumcised because the Jewish people of the time would celebrate you. But if you refuse that, what the Judaizers were offering and say, no, I'm going to stick with the cross of Jesus, you are going to be excluded and, 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 and you are going to be looked at in, in, a, in, a, in a way, a shameful way. That's the cross of Jesus. But it says, I would rather live a cruciformed life, not be a person that is succumbing to the approval of others because that's what the world offers. Approval uh, um, you know, becomes a big deal for us in our world system but that's not the way God invites us to live the cross it changes us changes our relationship to the law it changes our, our relationship to the flesh it changes our relationship uh, to, 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 to the world it frees us so we can live wholeheartedly for Christ look at 2 Corinthians 5 15 it says and Jesus died for all that those who live shall no longer 
live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. In, in, another, in another epistle, 1 Peter 1, 17-19, it tells us, Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. A circumspect life. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ. Given that you know that, that, the, that Jesus died for us and made us right with God, this should implicate the way we live today. Our knowledge of our reality in Christ must implicate our life for Christ today. Friends, this is how we live out and, and, and be uh, impacted and informed and, and empowered to live out a Christ-like life when we look at the cross properly, when we embrace our positional and our progressive holiness which has been purchased by the cross of Jesus. We are being freed by the cross from the law, the flesh, and the world in order to live like Christ in the world. Not so that we can live as we wish, no, but in order to live like Christ in the world. Let us rethink the cross of Jesus, not as a message that is something of history or a hallelujah time and we it give us everything and demands nothing, but it's the heart and the core of how we live today, empowered by the cross, free from everything else so that we can live wholeheartedly for the one who died for us and rose again. And that's our prayer for you. May the cross of Jesus enable you and empower you to live a holy life for the glory of God. Thank you so much for being with us. And we we'll look forward to being with you in our next episode as we look at another factor towards holiness. Until then, be utterly blessed in Jesus. Thank you.